0: You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast.
1: Good day to you. Hello. Hello. I spoke over you accidentally. How are you doing? I'm great. That's good feeling good that's also good that's really the stretch of it well that's not a bad thing
0: seminary courses for this particular round are winding down nice
1: final but that makes a huge difference it does
0: i get like a two or three week break after this well that will be nice It's not nothing it's not it's not nothing <laughs> at the very least i look forward to it yeah it'll be great nice fun stuff how Let's about you go.
1: weird little experience on the way here barring the fact that I got turned around because of road work and made some confusing and disappointing and also embarrassing <laughs> decisions and trying to get here. Yeah, it was a mess. Driving to the studio from the other direction, down down the hill, as yeah. opposed, I don't know what about this was like, the sun was shining in a particular way, and then I started hearing, like, birdsong. And it weirdly, I'm not really affected by birdsong. I'm not like... <laughs> it's not your... It's not my love language. <laughs> But it felt like that moment. I don't know the memory that un- it unlocked, but it felt like it unlocked a memory. Oh. Something about that moment and the sunlight and the temperature and the birdsong. I'm like, something about that is, was just really nice to, to experience. Wow. Yeah. Thank thank you, God. The little gifts. For that little moment.
0: That is that is wonderful. And good coffee this morning, I take it? Yeah, it's gone now. We always have to <laughs> talk about the coffee. I feel like that's kind of an homage thing we have to do now. Yeah, it was, it was excellent.
1: I try, I'm trying something new, and I don't remember the name of it much like recently Uh, in that situation uh but yeah it's it's dandy
0: i uh just had an order placed today Mm. should be roasting today nice from atomic roasters
1: that rings a bell i think i've seen their branding
0: the blend is called space cadet so i'm excited i love that like a buzz lightyear thing over here come on buzz lightyear so yeah and
1: buzz uh caffeine caffeine buzz
0: wow i had not even Mm -hmm. put that together where you at pixar You are missing a golden marketing opportunity (laughs) right here. Well, speaking of golden opportunities... Question mark? Question mark? I don't know. I don't know what they are. I don't know what to segue... I don't know how to do that for this <laughs> particular thing, so we're just going to do it, because that's what we're doing here. This isn't a sermon. We don't need... This is a podcast. <laughs> exactly. it. So, speaking of the sermon... Wow, well, mm. see, it was ah. There we go. In this past weekend's final message from the book of Nehemiah,
1: yeah.
0: uh, I didn't have time to delve in to a rather strongly worded bit of the uh, verses in chapter 13. Strongly worded, huh? Strongly... That's
1: interesting. Strongly
0: worded. The imagery is... It is. Strong. It is
1: shocking if you've not
0: if you've not read it before yeah. or you you forgot it was yeah, there.
1: For real. the review, for me, was an eye opener. Yeah,
0: I, I basically every year I'm like, oh yeah, that that's in there. <laughs> yeah. That happened. Wow. So let me just let me just read these verses because, uh, like I said, I didn't have time to get into them in the sermon because mm-hmm. there was so much else going on. Steve, why did two chapters, man? Why'd you do that to me? <laughs> <laughs> so. Here are the verses in chapter 13, verses 23 to 27. In those days also, I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And I confronted them, and cursed them, and beat some of them, And pulled out their hair, and I made them take an oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons, or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations, there was no king like him, and he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do all this great evil and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women?
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. So I think there are at least two big questions here. Yeah,
1: I definitely have some.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And those two big questions are, one, what's going on with the beating and the uh, removal of the hair? Yeah. And uh, two, what's with the harsh language around marrying foreign women? Yeah. Uh, That that could obviously create some consternation for obvious reasons <laughs> so uh let's just take them one at a time and try to unravel what's yeah. what's going on here so firstly may i just start whacking people and yanking their hair around if i think they're acting disobediently no no i cannot
1: what about that apocryphal addendum to matthew 18 you know you you can mm. you confront the offender privately then then with a witness then before the church and then you beat abused and pull out their hair <laughs> That's the, uh, yes, the little-known that was
0: the That was the the one that was in the Syriac text, of course, <laughs> the one that everyone wanted to, you know, hide away. No, no, no. Yeah, obviously, uh, this is odd, and uh, hmm. we're, I think anyone who would read this today would be alarmed by this and be like, uh, you know, is this something that's just going to— yeah. Can we just do this? Is this permissible? So— In the context of Israel, what's being enacted here is a precept that was laid down in Deuteronomy 25, okay? So in Deuteronomy 25, the judge of the people, the civic authority, in this case it would be Nehemiah, he is acting in that role, Mm -hmm. was permitted to enforce a sentence of corporal punishment if a particular man's guilt deserved it. So if you were doing something that was obstinate, you were sinning with what the Deuteronomic code would call a high hand, Mm. and you were putting the community at risk in some way, perhaps by encouraging them to join you in the sin, do something like that. You could enact a sentence of corporal punishment in order to, you know, discipline them and... To send a message, basically, to the community as well.
1: I'm noticing a couple things, actually, in the way you describe that. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, my gut reaction is that, it, like, at what point do you cross the line from corporal punishment to like abuse or ass- yes. or
0: assault? Great question. And yep. then,
1: additionally, something else I'm noticing is that the way we're describing sin and its response, it's almost like law fueled response. Is mm-hmm. that it actually, like, in this to better understand some of the language around it, you could almost replace the word sin with crime. Mm-hmm. It's because yep. it sounds like they're addressing crimes with a form of like, I don't know, some sort of, you know, repercussions.
0: Yeah. And that's a great point that that would actually make a great podcast later. You ought to distinguish, and the law to some extent does distinguish between sins and crimes, mm. which is a great observation. And so in this case, you get a lot of overlap yeah. in some, especially in like it the Deuteronomic like Code, the Mosaic Law. And when you're talking about the line between abuse and corporal punishment, <laughs> it's interesting because in that very verse, in that very section, Deuteronomy 20, he lays out a limit for what you can do. Specifically, he actually says, "So that your brother may not be degraded what? in your sight." So that's where you, have you ever, are you all familiar with the phrase um, the forty lashes minus one? Yes, that was put in place for that reason. It was so that you couldn't just go over the top and say, well, "We're just gonna beat you silly to a pulp until we decide that you know until you're like you just feel sorry." And dead. Right, exactly. And that was God put that down as a way of saying you can do this, but you can't do it to the point that your brother is disgraced, like that you're. Hmm doing that to him. And basically.
1: it sounds like that's going to come up later, actually.
0: It is. We then, of course, move on to the, you know, this weird thing about, like, the plucking of the hair and all of that. And so that's where it comes into this whole, quote-unquote, shame-disgrace factor. Because yeah. I think this is actually true. The more I was thinking about it, I think this would be true for us today, even. There's a sense in which, like, our hair, that kind of becomes a portentum part of your appearance, which yeah. sounds, I mean, that sounds superficial, but I mean, like, if someone was like, I'm going to cut true, all though. your hair off, yeah. I mean, like, that happened, like, in concentration camps Exactly. Like that. You it know what I mean?
1: camps is a way to dehumanize people in cults. It's yes. a practice. It's a known practice. In the
0: military, at boot camp we all had our heads shaved. Yeah. That was part of like the quote-unquote breaking down process. It's like, yeah, yeah we're just going to make you all exactly. like this. Exactly. So, in the Bible even, you see that in um, 2 Samuel 10, 4-5, through 5, that was when, I think it was the king of Ammon, <laughs> <laughs> I, ironically, he died. David was friends with him so he sent some of his servants to go comfort the king's son who mm-hmm. was going to reign in this king's place. And the king thought, oh, David is sending out spies to to discover where I'm weak so that he not come fight me. So he's like, well, I'm going to take your servants and I'm going to cut off their beards and um, also cut off their garments, which is like basically leaving them naked. Okay. And uh, of course, the text says that they were ashamed and David went out to meet them and said, don't even worry about coming back to Jerusalem until your disgrace is basically removed from you. Yeah. So you see that sort of quote unquote shame factor at work there. So in this case, it seems like what Nehemiah is doing is laying down a principle that would show up later in the New Testament in that there's a sense in which we do things to shame others, not in the way that like, oh, we're going to degrade your humanity, yeah. but in a way that we're going to say what you've done, like, you need to realize how horrendous this sin or this crime was in this particular case, what effects it can have on you and the community. And we want to do this not to expel you and lose you, but right. so that you might be brought back into fellowship with us. Yeah. So there seems to be some of that at play here, and I'm, all, too. I'm
1: I'm tempted to say at this point as well, is that there is a difference between shame and humiliation. Yeah. Like wh- humiliation, I think in this That's sort of great, arena would be mm-hmm. like weaponized wherein shame hopefully is corrective.
0: Yes, that is a great, see, look, you need to come in here. You need to, you need to come in or do all this stuff. Yes, that is, that is so true because I can't say, yeah, I don't know I can say it, but like humiliation would be weaponizing something mm-hmm. in order, I think, also to like elevate yourself. Yeah, And what we hopefully did see at the end of the sermon this past weekend was Nehemiah was not interested in elevating himself. Right. He was seeking to like make provision for the people and mm-hmm. to purify the temple and the city. So also in this text, I think it's important to note that he confronted all the men who were guilty of this particular sin and cursed them, but he only corporally punished some of them. So it wasn't like this universal sentencing where he's yeah. like, all of you, I'm going to do this
1: to. Get in line.
0: Yeah, like, all right, like right, let's do this. Like What the text seems to indicate is that there were some who were acting obstinately, like probably were saying like, no, we're not going to listen to you. This Pushing isn't, back, like fighting yeah. back, yeah. And uh, there's a great word that's used in some books of church order when people act contumacious. Against the word of God. I never heard that word until recently, but that's like where you're being stubborn and rebellious. And when someone says like, hey, like, you know, this is something that is sinful. Like, let's, you know, let's repent of that. Let's cut that out. And you're like, no, like I'm going to keep doing like yeah. this kind of willful, very willful mm-hmm. saying, no, I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to encourage others to do it. Contumacious. So it seems to be that those are the kind of people he's dealing with there. And again, that comes back to the whole second Thessalonians three fourteen thing, where if those who call themselves God's people continue to obstinate disobey God's word. Paul says, we ought to have nothing to do with them that they may be ashamed unto repentance. And he actually says that later in the verse. He said, don't treat them as an enemy. Treat them as a brother that you're trying to win back.
1: This actually stirs up almost like more mixed feelings because almost in light of that verse, what he did looks kind of more wrong. I'm going to put in big old air quotes because that doesn't say to physically assault them, but to have nothing to do with them. Right. Which, you know, he really move the ball down the field. Yeah. That- <laughs> like, I, and and I, I was looking, especially Funny. in this chapter, and a few verses prior we're told about these measures that were taken to keep, like, merchants from abusing the Sabbath. And they were doing all their work and selling their goods, and they were doing business as usual. And to prevent this, they they shut all the gates in town the night before the Sabbath with orders to remain so. Yeah. And we're told that a few times that the merchants camped outside the gates. Yeah. Like they're trying to buy the PS5. <laughs> Man, I still want one. Um, but presumably to circumvent this kind of ruling as much as possible so in verse 21 they're threatened with repercussions right and here's the weird confusing part here some translations say if you do this again I will lay hands on you yeah. which we know what that means <laughs> um, and it's not prayer it's you're yeah, gonna lose your it, hair yeah. my friend uh, but others say I will arrest you which yeah. is a unique and wild distinction right. especially given Nehemiah's role yes. within the community mm-hmm. so this is the moment in aggressively (laughs) shrugging at the text. Like, what do I do?
0: (laughs) That meme with Zac Efron. Like, "Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, so that's a great point. And to that observation, I actually would argue that those translations, they're kind of making an interpretive choice and say yes, lay hands on clearly, you as yeah. arrest. Mm-hmm. I'd actually say that's probably a good interpretation, I guess, because these merchants were guys from if I'm remembering correctly like Tyre and Sidon. Mm-hmm. They are not among the people of God. Oh. So he's going to distinguish between how he treats
1: them. Oh, that's interesting.
0: versus the people who are like, "Hey, we're calling ourselves, you know, we are yeah. among the people of God and it's- we people ex- as a
1: community are held to a higher standard.
0: Yeah, right? Like people from Tyrant on they didn't have a sabbath you no. know i mean like they were they were pagans who worshiped other gods yeah, they're not beholden to the right and you could still like i mean yeah buy you know they're selling you fish buy stuff from them. i mean solomon built the temple with uh cedars of lebanon so i mean like there's a yeah like of course we we do that kind of stuff but like mm. on the sabbath like hey you guys we're not doing that don't encourage our people to do that I and see. like if you're gonna come to our city and be out here like well
1: like you play by our yeah rule you're book. playing
0: here yeah by our rule book and so if you do that you know you're trespassing basically i can arrest you yeah Whereas the people of God, you know, you're know not that. supposed to be marrying <laughs> these people and doing these things. So the code of Deuteronomy mm-hmm. applies to you differently than it does to people from Tyre and Sidon. And to that note, as a church today, it's interesting that things move, and I don't want to Gnostic, Gnostic-size this too much <laughs> because that's a danger. It's a real yeah. danger. But in general, you see this move from physical realities and pictures to spiritual realities mm-hmm. in the New Testament. So like in the Old Testament, you know, discipline was enforced corporally yeah. and you had civic and community laws that applied on a national level. Whereas in the church, the thing is, is we still are told to discipline the people of God, but nowhere in the New Testament do you see the apostles telling elders in the church, whack that guy yeah. and yank his hair out if he doesn't, exactly. you know, listen to what you do. <laughs> What you do see is, let's take a really extreme example, but of a similar kind of sin. In 1 Corinthians, we read about a man who all Paul says is he has his father's wife. I see. Some sort of incestuous relationship. And what he tells the church to do, because the church apparently, um, what he says is, you are proud, you are arrogant ought you not weep like this is a sin that not even the pagans are cool with like not even the I mean the Romans legitimately like I think yeah. it was Cicero was that's like this is something. like un like un like no Roman
1: not even should ever in do the this. temple of Dionysus
0: <laughs> yeah like yeah like come on man like this is like that's too far yeah so what Paul says and this is shocking if you forget that it's in there what he tells the church to do is you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh <laughs> so that his so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. now I don't know about you but between what nehemiah did and what Paul is telling the church to do like, I truly think one of those sounds way worse than the other and the, the, the one that sounds worse to me happens to be deliver me over to Satan for the destruction of my flesh which in this case just to keep us not you know keep us from hanging over the edge that refers to excommunication from the fellowship of the church and you know suspension from the sacraments that kind of stuff
1: so that that means the excommunication was like meant to uh, I guess shame is the word I'm gonna use use here to ultimately shame this person to repentance but without the community of believers ever again
0: well so it's interesting because we Ooh. actually see this resolved what in second corinthians as far as we can tell it has to be the same guy okay. basically well but yeah, right later it is. in second corinthians he encourages the church because it says, you were grieved into repenting ah receive your brother back so that he may not be grieved unto death
1: hey i gotta say something i gotta say something right here the whole time he kept his hair (laughs) he did (laughs) i just think there's a case to be made
0: (laughs) he kept his hair But yeah, so the the purpose of anything like that, again, it's not humiliation. So yeah. they're like, look at us. We're so
1: righteous. We're you're so superior. So you, you're, you're nothing but yeah. a dog. Yeah. It's not it was, do that. It
0: was done with, I mean, Paul talks about many times in letters. He says, I'm pleading with you with tears mm. Yeah, to do this. Like, so it's never, I can't remember if it was one of my professors or a pastor. Somebody that was talking on these issues once said, you ought never enforce church discipline unless you're doing it with tears. That's interesting. You know, which obviously, I mean, like I can they're not, like the, working it up, but I mean, like, behind that, yeah. yeah, but like the point is like, it should be breaking your heart. Like, yeah. and your aim should always be reconciliation and restoration, mm-hmm. which is yeah. obviously exactly. the, the aim here. And thank God. I mean, that's like what happened. I think we view this as something that's generally hopeless. We're like, ah, oh, people aren't going to, you mm. know, respond to that. So what's yeah. the point in doing it? But we saw that that happened here and he was kept from continuing in that particular sin. Like yeah. he. Stopped doing it, so I mean that's that's a win-win-win, as Michael Scott from The Office would say. <laughs> so those are the dynamics that I see at play in that particular part of Nehemiah, which brings us to our second question, which is what's the big deal with foreign women? Yeah. So like, is Nehemiah an ethnic purist here? I better is, not be. Yeah. Like, is this some like is this some racism like coming out here? Well, the answer to that is no. It's yeah, not.
1: It doesn't translate the same way as we would expect in our modern
0: right. context. Right. So I mean, let's go back from. Moment and remember Ruth, for whom the book Ruth is named, mm-hmm, right? Very one. She was a Moabite, and Moabites were forbidden from entering the assembly of the Lord. It was that, like under the eighth generation or something like that. They there were some really strict words against the people of Moab. However, Ruth, for lack of a better term, she basically converted. She followed Naomi back to Israel mm-hmm. and married an Israelite yeah. named Boaz. Exactly and uh she adopted the religion and practice of the israelites and so that's why I the term. she was basically converted and jesus was descended exactly. from her line exactly so obviously yeah the issue is not Ethnicity as such. The issue here in Nehemiah is theological and related to faith. Mm-hmm. So the problem is these women worshipped other gods. That's the yeah. problem. The and,
1: cultural lines were very tied to religion. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's not like it's not like now you're like, oh, I married someone from Vermont. Yeah, and like,
0: like oh yeah, like going to
1: worship their, you know,
0: exactly. their their gods, or even like India. Like, well uh, now like
1: yeah, you could marry someone who like immigrated from Russia and also happens to love Jesus. Like that yeah, exists. Exactly like, that's possible now.
0: And obviously. It did happen occasionally exactly. back in the time. What an excellent just, point. More often than not, it was, yeah, like, mm. oh, I'm from Moab, therefore I'm I going am to worship this religion, yeah. whatever that is. And the strange thing is, like, so many times it went the other way that, like, the <laughs> Israelite men were like, yeah, we'll, you know, worship <laughs> your God instead. Um, oh, God. And obviously that created an issue. And in this case, what Nehemiah is actually particularly concerned about is the children. Exactly. Because he says, like, they don't know the, the Hebrew language, which means they're not going be able to read the scriptures, and they're not going to be able to participate in the worship of the temple. And basically what could happen is that within a generation, everything that we've worked so hard to rebuild and all of this stuff will be gone. And of course, they will obviously be lost because they're worshiping false gods. So that comes back to it's an issue of faith. Mm-hmm. And we, we have, again... Just like we have a modern, quote-unquote, parallel with church discipline, we have a modern parallel in Christian marriage. We're still not permitted as Christians to marry, quote-unquote, the daughters and sons of foreign gods. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? Like Paul says, you're free to marry in the household of the Lord. Mm -hmm. To use a verse that sometimes, (laughs) the context of it is not necessarily marriage, but it applies to it, is that, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship has, you know, the temple of the Lord with the temple of demons? The point is, is like, yeah, like (laughs) when it comes to your children and your marriage. It's really hard if you're not agreed on that most fundamental foundational reality, right? right? Like marriage is already hard enough, (laughs) Um, which by the way, caveat, I'm not going to be one of those guys like marriage is so hard and you need to just brace yourself. Marriage is so hard. Like I love being married. It's awesome. It's great. There are just some, there are some difficulties, obviously, like with anything good in life, Mm -hmm. you do not want to exacerbate that to the unteenth degree to the like one millionth power by being disagreed on. We worship Jesus. Like You know what I mean? We live, we seek to strive after the things he tells us to do, that's going to create, obviously, some pretty probably big conflict if you're going <laughs> to press it, which un- like, generally what ends up happening is if, you know, a believer marries an unbeliever is what happened with the Israelites. Exactly, right. And there's like, you're just like, well, I'm just, away. yeah, I'm just going to not worry about it. So all that in a nutshell explains some of the craziness we saw in Nehemiah.
1: What a ride. What a
0: ride indeed, man. Wow. It's like, there's a lot. See, that's why I'm like, I can't. No. Not, not a matter of like, I'm trying to avoid it. It's like, I don't have time to put that like all into my. (laughs) my sermon, like, we just took, you know... What is oh, this now? 20-some minutes. Yeah, let's not plus ask. Plus minutes on this. So, I'm sure we're over. Yeah, that's it. So <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back and listening to our explanation, joining us on this crazy, zany journey. Wow. And uh, if you have any other questions about this, mm-hmm. multiple question marks. You might. I can see why. Yeah. Send those to podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact with us on social media. And if you found this helpful, if you, found you, wanna, it helpful. you got someone who's read this passage in Nehemiah recently and they're, they're confused as heck.
1: If you have a, a bad haircut
0: yeah yeah and um, you just want to experience some hope question mark? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can uh you know leave an honest five-star review and
1: <laughs> share this with your friends the path of logic if you have a bad haircut leave a five-star review yeah that's it <laughs> uh, also if you have a great haircut yeah, you're also welcome
0: do whatever you want so thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time